Welcome to the Single Parent Podcast. Whether you've been a single parent for a while now or have just started on your journey, the Single Parent Podcast is a safe place for single parents to get some great information and resources, hear the stories of fellow single parents, and connect with a strong and supportive community. We want to help you go from surviving to thriving. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Single Parent Podcast. Uh, We have a very interesting episode today. Um, We're talking about sex. And I'm going to, with that, I'm going to throw it over to Christina. Here you go. (laughs) (laughs) She sends it over to the sex positive human because I'm just like, okay, let's talk about sex. So, you know, actually what's funny about this is Christina's the one who brought it up. She said, we should talk about sex. I'm like, yeah, we should. But then we had to think about how we want to go about that. So uh, we actually have two really special guests on today. We have Dan, who is actually a previous guest on the podcast. And we also have my friend Theo on as well. And we figured we would do a panel today and just sort of answer our listeners' questions and maybe just have chats and talk about our opinions on, you know, sex. (laughs) (laughs) So, Dan and Theo, I guess my question, I'm going to start it off with you guys. Why the hell did you agree to come on this podcast? <laughs> and I know for me, it was just kind of, uh, this is actually a really a lot of fun um, to talk about it. But also, I think there's too much, too much stigma around talking about sex when it comes to even marriage and things like that. Um, it, it, it needs to be talked about to get good sex. And that's what I want. I want people to go out there, have great sex and to not be scared about talking about it because I mean, it really is. It's it's a wonderful thing. Um, And it's a great way for couples to get closer together. So if people don't talk about it, how are you going to know what you like best in the bedroom? can't argue with that <laughs> I mean it's yeah and it's interesting you say that because I I had a, a bit of a chuckle to myself because it's it's literally something behind closed doors both like yeah. in the actual why are the know, doors closed why again? are the doors Sorry. closed <laughs> <laughs> well can I just the kitchen counter works good say, too yeah. oh lordy <laughs> I guess from my perspective um the reason why I agreed is I think you're correct in what you have to say is the topic of sex is often hard to have a a real discussion about given, you know, everyone's insecurities or inhibitions or feeling about what they want or what they may not want. And what I enjoy is creating more of an open, comfortable space and dialogue so that, you know, people in positions of single parents or in couples or in general uh, can hopefully hear someone else's perspective and, and understand how that can infe- uh, impact their lives, but not only them, their own lives, but that of their future partners and whatever children may be involved as well. Um, you know, venturing out into the world as a single father, as I'm sure lots of single mothers have experienced, can be quite challenging right off the start and trying to navigate that world without much input, especially as, you know, a single father, which can sometimes be not necessarily the norm, if you will. So hoping for like a positive experience to be able to try and, you know, showcase that things aren't always what they seem and it should be safer than we sometimes allow it to be. It was, it was interesting when we, like Christina said, when we initially broached this topic, because we didn't want it to, 
we wanted it to be informational, relational, and, you know, something that we could make easy to, to talk about, but it, yeah, like even I'm having difficulty kind of, okay, well, how, how are we going to do this? Is it just a open the floodgates? Cause Christina sent me a, an email list of, of questions that we were going to kind of explore today. And I just remember looking at them going, I think I'm in over my head here about, <laughs> with this topic. <laughs> and it's actually made me kind of look at how I approach things and my views on it and all of that. And it's like, huh, maybe this is something that we need to, to talk about on here. Well, I think it's also important to understand that um, everyone's sexual influence here, sexual uh, space is regulated to their own experiences and how they have felt in the past or how they've been raised. So, you know, I don't think there's a, a limit to your experience or feeling drawn back. I think it's more about being open to, you know, exploring and understanding rather than feeling like you may not have, may not be able to contribute to a conversation. Dan's just waiting to say something. I just what think this is going to be a ton of fun. I just think this is going to be a ton of fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, especially since it, it's after reading some of the questions as well i was just like oh this is going to be fun um just because i mean yeah okay we've got some people that are really open about their sexuality which is a lot of fun um and, and then we've got christina who's a little bit less oh, oh thanks <laughs> we're gonna make her turn just bright red um oh i love it <laughs> thanks dad Thanks for that. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, I I have, yeah, you're absolutely correct. Yeah, there's you three and then there's me. That's okay. We're going to create a nice safe spot for you here, Christina. And we're going to make you blush a lot. Yeah. <laughs> too, too late. Too late. <laughs> well, I think, Christina, I think you have the list of questions there. Maybe we can throw some out and sort of see where it goes. Okay. So... This one's actually we're gonna we're gonna put our two guests on the hot seat here first. So, do men even notice the same insecurities that us women notice about ourselves? Um, like, what do you mean? Like, just like that's kind of mm. one of those a little bit more specific with like when it comes to insecurities. Is it more like body insecurities or mm, that's form a good question? I would think it has to do about body positivity i think about women especially single moms a lot of the time after having kids we can be extremely critical of ourselves and feel like we're not good enough um you know you might have got stretch marks or maybe you put on a couple pounds or maybe you just don't have the time to do your makeup the way that you normally would have so those insecurities are very real for women and i think that's probably where that listener was going with it yeah i mean if you're talking about how women notice those insecurities, I look at it this way. I mean, if you've got stretch marks, I don't call them really stretch marks. I call them beauty marks because it's something that you've brought this beautiful thing into the world. Um, and, and stretch marks have never bothered me um, and, and things like that. Um, what I see a lot of the times it is, I think men notice when a woman actually, you know, tries to take care of herself is the big thing, right? As insecure as you are, I think that, you know, 
if you just try to take care of yourself, we'll notice that and actually just that effort really goes noticed. Um, if, if there's some women out there that don't, um, I, I, I don't know if you really notice the insecurities all that much, but uh, I, I've never noticed it that big of a deal. What about you, Theo? What are you thinking? Um, I'm kind of the opposite. I, okay. I do this more, um, whether it's, you know, I'm on a date or whether I'm engaging with a woman or even if we're, you know, making out or whatever we're doing, I actually notice more when they have that almost internalized self of insecurity. You know, she could be dressed to the nines, makeup, like feeling really good, but all of a sudden you can kind of feel like, what if like the light hits in this way? Or like, I said, even in like non, women who haven't had kids, it's like, well, am I putting off like the best image of myself? Rather than really allowing themselves to be involved in the situation they're involved in. It's almost like they're a hole in the mat and it shouldn't be that big of a deal. But to my point as well, men also do the same thing. Uh, are we clean shaven enough? Did we pay for the meal? Is Does this woman actually like me? Does she want to come over? How is she going to react if I kissed her? To what degree are both sexes displaying that kind of insecurity? Especially when it comes down to body image, which can, which can be really important. I think uh, the crux of the situation is more so you know, finding those partners who understand that, you know, we all are not perfect. We all have our so-called flaws that we can see within each other and within ourselves. So how do we kind of address that in such a way that is positive and healthy? And if either of you have an answer to the, how do we address that? I'd be more than willing to hear. <laughs> I mean, for me, I think just having really open conversations with your partner. And if there's something that we're not secure about having that conversation even beforehand like oh like i don't feel 100 percent today because of x y or z and then maybe just having some good compliments in your back pocket like wow you look fucking hot today man your tits look great in that bra or whatever it is like smack my ass and then i'm like oh i feel like i feel a little sexier now because it's those little things right like when we even think about love languages i i'm going to physical touch and if a woman has that as one of their top love languages it's like if a man's not giving that to her then maybe she's gonna feel less than or not like good enough or feeling like, oh, I must be ugly because he's not touching me or whatever the case might be. What are your thoughts, Christina? I think the biggest, because I've actually experienced that in both of the relationships that I've had, is that feeling of, of insecurity physically. Um, and I think the biggest thing for me was... Because it's interesting because in, in one relationship, it was it was good physically, but not emotionally. And in the other relationship, it was flipped, <laughs> which which I was like, that's just not fair. <laughs> that's just not fair. <laughs> but um, the thing that made it, I guess, more accepting for me is just... Um, just just those little things and it doesn't have to be like a an overt sexual advance just even like hey beautiful like there's a difference between 
hot and beautiful for women. And I think for for women, we need both of those things. So it's like the beautiful part of it builds us up a bit and and kind of helps with that insecurity a bit if we're feeling that way. Um, and that for us leads to the hotness because hotness for me, and I'm not sure, Christina, if you feel the same way, but hot for me is, is sexualized. It's not so much, um, uh, like a, it's beautiful, softer. It kind of appeals to the, the emotional side a little bit. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Christina? If a guy's ripping off my clothes, I want him to tell me I'm hot. I don't really care to hear beautiful, but if we're having like a really nice conversation, wow, you're beautiful inside and out. That's nice. But if he's like ripping my clothes off and we're about to bang, you're so fucking hot. I can't wait to feel (laughs) like I need that. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I, I feel like for, for women, we, we need both of those things is to feel emotionally beautiful because for us we tend to build on emotional connection first and actually i'm going to throw it back to you two in a minute here but i feel for women that emotional piece needs to come first and i wonder if for guys and you can correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like for guys it's opposite you like the physical connection first you kind of build an emotional connection to a certain extent off of that is that generalization fairly accurate or would you guys challenge me on that I would think it it depends on what the guy is looking for at that point. Um, You know, it it depends on if I'm just going out and I just want to find somebody just to something super casual, just like a a quickie or something like that, then, yeah, it's totally 100% physical. Now, if I'm looking for something more of a long term if i'm looking more to date if i'm looking more for things like that um yes there is a, a initial physical attraction um but i'm also looking at you know how is this person's mannerisms and things like that to see if she's a total bitch or not um <laughs> Well, you mean, tell me how you really thing, feel. Not only the bad thing. <laughs> you mean you don't like that at all? Really? Well, do, do you know what? If somebody's a total bitch, but you just want a one night stand with them, they're normally pretty crazy in bed. So that's normally, you know, one of those things where it's it's okay, a fair. fun time in bed. Fair point. Um, but, they're, but they're crazy. So you don't want to, you know, bring those people home to meet the parents because they're crazy um it's kind of self-explanatory that way but when it comes to yes there's always that physical attraction first um but i'm always still going do you know what if i want that emotional connection you're gonna pick up on it just the way that they talk the way that they stand the way that they they you know hold themselves you can pick up on a lot of that and then you can see whether you want that deeper connection but i mean if you want to go out and you want to have that sexual attraction to somebody there still needs to be some emotional connection there um if you want to have that that really genuine sexual attraction more so than just the animal attraction fair theo what do you what do you think there's some things i I agree with there and i think that um more to christina's point as you're looking at um, various levels of relationship here when 
you know, you mentioned you had two, and you know, everyone has their own experiences in regards to relationships. And I think that um, our age demographic and how we begin to re-engage uh, with our lifestyles and how, the things that we decide that we want, I think things change. So I think the, the biggest thing is for me lately has been um, not knowing what all women would want because it's an impossible task. It's about actually taking the time to understand what they may or may not want, whether it's through communication or anything else. Uh, as of status, some women want to be stripped and has their ass slapped and have words of affirmation. Some women don't want to be touched very much or very often. Some may want to be touched all the time. And until you really take your time as a partner to kind of figure out what your your significant other or even, you know, short term, you know, one night stand or not may want, then that, that's more or less the challenge, right? To create a good sexual connection in that way. You know, of course, there's a physical attraction, everything else. And that's why I made the bitch comment is like, yeah, you may go out and this one may be maybe a total bitch, but still for some reason completely into you. But also, you can't, the, you can't just accept the fact that there's one chance encounter and she's being kind of a bitch. It's like, we all have bad days. We all go through things that we can't explain to a new person at the time. So you know what? Maybe she doesn't want to accept your drink because fuck you. Just because it has nothing <laughs> No, that's, that's, that's great. <laughs> How can you then infer anything about the woman at that point other than you know, what you said is like that base connection, that base moment or like that good times, which is also an expectation of itself. So I think it's all more about uh, understanding what we want at the time and what I call like staged physical growth. Um, you know, when we're, we've all been young before and we've all gone out and done these things and at which point does uh, you transition from, you know, being a teen going out or 19, 20, going to bars and like picking up dudes or picking up women and then, you know, having a child and then coming to a different stage or point in your life where you're like, you know what? I really don't want to pick up a woman from the bar anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, trying to figure out your partner in that way or any potential partner in that way and, you know, really respecting them and who they are as people, I think is a huge factor. I agree. And actually, one one question I did have for, for the three of you, because you've, I don't think I've heard Theo say it specifically, but I'm very curious what the term sex positive actually means, because I've heard it more than once, and I think I know what it means, but I'm realizing, well, maybe I don't really know what that means, because like everyone, like, sex is a part of relationships, right? Everybody likes it. But what does it actually mean to be sex positive? I, I don't understand that term. Don't everybody speak at once. That's fine. <laughs> I'm waiting. <laughs> I don't mind going. Um, one of the examples that I usually look at is when you first meet somebody or like whatever it is and they start talking about their previous sexual relationships, right? And in my mind, and I've seen this before, not necessarily for myself, but with others, they get really upset at the fact that, wait, you've slept with someone else before? How dare you? <laughs> or, oh no, you've done this before? Oh, you've had this sexual experience where I haven't? How dare you? Like, that that's terrible of you. Well, how could you ever do that? And it's this weird thing where, like, you're automatically judging someone else for what they've done in their life, which makes no real fucking sense at the end of the day. Yeah. Everyone's done done those things. Everyone has tried. Everyone's experimented to some degree. Everyone's done something that, you know, maybe they might have been ashamed of, but they really like. 
So if someone has done something that they really enjoyed, but they start to feel shame from it for whatever reason, then it's like sex negativity. Like shaming yourself for the experiences that you really enjoyed. Allowing someone else to shame you for the experiences you really enjoyed. So in my mind, like being sex positive is getting someone else the grace to understand what they really want that's positive for themselves rather than forcing my so-called judgments upon what they may or may not have done that I do not may or may not feel like in general. I mean, I couldn't have said it any better myself. I I think similarly, and I, I like how you talked about shame because I think for women, maybe not as much for men or maybe I'm wrong, but for a woman to experiment or whatever the case is, there are sometimes this negative connotation that comes with it and then the word like ho comes out or slut or whatever. And then it's glorified yeah. for men. And they're like, oh, you had a one night stand. Yeah, man, good job. It's like, what the fuck? If the chick wants to go have a one night stand because she doesn't have the emotional capacity to have like a long term relationship. So be it. Let her have that. Right. But uh, I'll let Dan talk now. I'm going to stop there because I could go on for days. About this. <laughs> I, I, I know for me, uh sex positivity is very much i'm going to go back to that shame aspect where where you're not ashamed of being a sexual being um is the best way to put it for me i mean there there is especially with my part of it is my upbringing you know i'm brought up you know very religious very catholic um and there was a lot I don't want to say there was a lot of shame into it, but nobody's talked about it, right? It was never talked about. It was hush-hush. It was it was all secretive. And nobody, it was just like, oh, well, that's just bad. Masturbation is bad. Sex before marriage is bad. And and it, and it's, and, and you just didn't talk about it. And there was all this shame that was around it. And it is not a shameful thing to be a sexual being. I mean, it, it's... It's in one of our most basic instincts and, and to be sex positive to me means to be unashamed, to be who you are as a sexual being and to be open about it and to talk about it. I mean, that's kind of the, the way that I see it more than anything. I like that because, I mean, Dan, you and I are, are similar faith, right? So so we had that that teaching growing up and I remember the same thing. It It wasn't... It wasn't that it was specifically we don't talk about this, but there wasn't this, I didn't feel the openness to be able to talk about it, you know? And that's actually something I'm very cognizant of with my own children is because there's, there's been a couple of conversations we've, we've had and I've, I've, I've had to have the talk with both my kids. Um, they're eight and 11. And for me, I don't remember having that conversation before like junior high with with my mom. Um, so it's it's something that I'm very aware of, um, you know, and, and depending on whether you are religious or not, that does kind of play into how you view sex and how you view, you know, sex within relationships or out of relationships or, or the case may be, because um, that, that is something that I struggle with. There, there is that not battle, but kind of, kind of a battle in a, in a certain sense. And I know Dan, you know, you've, you've experienced that too growing up and I'm Christine, I'm not sure if you have too, cause I know you were brought up in kind of a, a faith-based 
Uh, also, to a certain extent, I wasn't sure if you had the same experience or not. No, maybe no, not. I'll be honest. I was, I was baptized Catholic. I had no choice. I was an infant. Um, my stepdad's atheist, and my mom would take us to like a Christian church. And I actually remember I went one day, and this kid's like, "Oh, give the give this finger up to the choir," and it was my middle finger. And, <laughs> And you know who he is, Theo. I'll tell you about this after. I, I you know it. who he is. He lives. He used to live on Quadra. But anyway, so I was like, "F you" to the entire choir. And then all of a sudden, it was like gasp, like, <gasps> and my mom slapped me in the face on the way home from church that day. And I was like, after that, I was like, I hate church. <laughs> it sucks. I get slapped. <laughs> But yeah, I I definitely don't hold my faith like super close to me. I'm more spiritual and yeah. So I was raised completely non-religious in every way whatsoever. It's pretty much as far as it can get. You know, they celebrate holidays, but it's never about faith and anything else. Mm -hmm. And something you said, Christina touched on, what I wanted to bring up is the sex talk compared to like a faith-based household and non-faith-based. And uh, the story came to mind is when I was 18. I was leaving my parents' house. I got the cusp of moving out, but I was going out to some, like, you know, young kid party. And for the first time in my entire life, my dad pulled me aside and was like, hey, I was like, just so you know, you don't go into the rain without a rain jacket. <laughs> only sex talk I had ever received in my entire life. And this is not faith-based whatsoever. It just didn't happen. No, yeah. yeah. No. Literally, literally, I said to my dad, and I looked at him and said, Dad, you're way too late. And I just walked out the door. And <laughs> yeah, no. And the conversation for me was all about, oh, don't have sex until you're married, because if you get pregnant, you're not fucking living here. And that was it. So I just knew, don't get pregnant, or I'm going to have to move out. <laughs> But yeah, we didn't have conversations either. Like I went and got like birth control on my own as a teenager because I thought that's what everyone did. And my friends told me that's what to do. So I went. <laughs> it's interesting yeah, like, information I, I, to get from my friends by a young age. Yes. Oh yeah. Like like I I never had the sex talk from my parents and I and I just we just had to learn kind of everything on our own or from our parents or from our friends or peers or whatever. And that's how we learned. Um, now that, that being said, I mean, I was also um, very late on, on actually being sexually active. I mean, I, I didn't lose my virginity until I was in my twenties. So it was kind of one of those things. I mean, it, it was quite a bit later, but I was also a very good Catholic boy. So it was uh, one of those things where it was just, yeah, that's just what we did. Um, but I, my parents never talked about sex, ever. Like, it was just not a conversation that was had. <laughs> so is this um, like a generational thing, though? Like, are we planning, like, for me, I've already started talking about that stuff with my oldest daughter. She's 12. And I've had very honest conversations. And she actually came to me and she was dating someone and the person asked like oh can we kiss and she's like i feel like that's like too soon and i was just so proud that she made really good choices and i feel like i've guided her enough to make those and she actually broke up with that person because she was feeling pressured to 
have her first kiss and she's like, I'm just not ready. And I'm like, that's okay. You don't need to be ready. Right? Right? Yeah. It's it's crazy. Do you all plan on talking to your kids about that when they get a bit older? Because I know your kids are a little bit younger. So Oh, I I know I know I am. I'm not sure about the two of you guys but that's that conversation's already started because I know I don't want it to be where my daughter goes elsewhere to talk to friends to find out information because that's like that's <laughs> from my own experience and dad and Theo are both nodding their heads enthusiastically that's a terrible place to go for information and part of it is I want there to be that open line because if something happens I don't want my kids to ever feel like they can't come to me for help, if they need help, if they need advice, if it's, you know, like it's, you know, in, in a levity sense, but also in like a serious sense, if, if shit goes down, I want them to be able to come to me and feel safe coming to me to talk about stuff. Yeah. And I know for me, I mean, I'm also in kind of a, a slightly unique situation where my niece lives with me and she's 16. And it, it kind of is a nice little primer for me for when my kids grow up a little bit more, because I mean, that way we can still have those conversations. Uh, it, and I am very open with, with my niece and we talk about, you know, dating and, and things like that. And it's really good to for me to practice Let's just say I'll, I'll use her as a guinea pig, and then we'll figure it out what happened. Poor kid. <laughs> poor, poor child. But, but to have that open conversation is still really kind of nice. Um, to so that way it's 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 really good for me to yeah actually be able to have those open conversations and to create that safe place and to create that safe environment for her to be able to you know if she needs somebody to talk to i'm here for her if she needs all of these things and i want to be that for my own children as well um and and also you know to create that that sex positive household at the same time right because it, it's it's not a taboo subject for us. I mean, obviously we go with age appropriate. I mean, my kids are seven, 10, and then I got my niece at 16. Um, obviously we keep things age appropriate, but at the same time, we don't sweep it under the rug, right? You just don't do that. It's not swept under the rug. It, it's, you know, my my kids talk about their little crushes and this and that. And my my seven year old hasn't quite gotten there, but my ten year old, I mean, she's starting to to turn into a little bit of a woman. And, and yeah. you know, I'm just starting to think, okay, once you start hitting puberty, what's going to happen? And then she's going to shoot straight up, and then she'll really start getting interested into boys and things like that. And how do I create the safe space? And I think part of it is really creating it when they're at this really young age um, where it's okay to talk about sex and attraction and dating and, and all of these things, but also to create that safe space for your kids where they can actually talk about it. I don't have to bring something up. I have to laugh about it. When you said bringing up as a guinea pig, and I was like, wait a second, weren't we all guinea pigs? <laughs> and all of a sudden we become parents and we're like i know nothing <laughs> how did we do this you know that first moment carrying your kid, that first kid out of the hospital and you're like 
oh my god they gave me a child how am i supposed to do with this so in some respects i think you're entirely right this the terminology is hilarious yeah absolutely right <laughs> like, we're all guinea pigs at one point but it's like there is no perfect situation here well, yeah, at least at least my parents had four kids ahead of me, so. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so by the time he got to you, all he said was just get a raincoat. That's, that's, all, that's all you got. I'll go in the rain without a raincoat, right? Well, yeah, you're right. I see what you're doing here. <laughs> see what you're doing later. I want to say it's about exposure. I think um, you're talking about, you know, your, your niece and age differences as well. You know, I remember getting advice from friends in high school or whatever, but now the level of exposure to sexualized content is so much more readily available in every way. So us being raised as guinea pigs is no longer a good example in my mind about how to, if we do the same things our parents did with us, it's not going to work because it's too, it's earlier. There's the exposure is there. So to your point, I'm giving you credit for it is you know, in making that safe place early because it's going to have to happen because they're going to find out earlier because they had the world of the internet out their phone. I didn't yeah. have a phone until I was like 17. Yeah. I didn't even know the internet existed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, like it's interesting you say it because the, the, the sex talk for me actually happened because of what my eight-year-old said. They were sitting on the on the couch and my daughter called me and she said, Ew, that's gross. I said, Okay, what? Like, you know, he's all about farts and bodily functions and all of that. And I, I grew up with sisters, so this is all totally new to me. I'm like, Do you like really have to do that? And I'm being told, Yes, boys have to do that. But my my daughter um kind of, you know, said, Ew, gross. I said, Okay, well what's what's going on now? And she said, He's making what how did she put it? She's ma he's making the stuffed animals have sex. And I looked at him and I said, are you? And he said, yeah. And I, and so I questioned him and said, wait a minute. Do you know what sex actually is? And he said, yes, no. <laughs> I was like, okay, all right. So this is happening right now, whether I want it to or not. But I have to say in that like 15, 20 minutes where I sat down with them, they asked some really great questions. And I was actually surprised, but in a good way, especially with my daughter, because she it, they, they were questions that were informational. Right. So, oh, well, what does this do? And what what is this part called? And all and oh, great question, you know, and there were a couple of things where I have to admit I went, that is a really good question. Hold on. Let me look it up. <laughs> you know, but it was actually I, I appreciate what you said, Theo, about it being readily available and way more prevalent at a younger age now. And it, it's so I feel it's really important now for us as parents to be a bit more proactive in approaching our kids to say, hey, you know, how are things going at school? What are some things, you know, that you're hearing? And just to start those lines of communication open sooner. Because really, like when you're talking to an eight-year-old, they're still giggling about the word penis. I mean, we still have a long way to go, you know, because it is comical because they, they're not used to hearing those words. It's not like Dan said at the beginning. It's not, it's not something that is easily talked about. It shouldn't right. be as funny as it is for some reason, but for some reason it is anyways. Like, it's so silly that it's funny. Yeah. Like, to your kid's credit, like, oh, there was a movie that came out 
a while back and they're talking about what the end of the penis is called it was just labeled the end of dick a while back for like 10 years ago i never forgot it what's that called it's called the end of dick that's end it dick. no other terminology and i always remember that and like yeah that's true like technically true but very not true at the same time so i, I Go Sorry, ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead, Dad. I was going to switch gears. So if you want to comment again, go yeah, ahead. Okay, I'll just add one more quick little comment here before we switch gears. And it's also, I find that there's also a difference between uh, boys and girls on this aspect. Because you're talking, you know, about your little boy on, on how he, you know, was having the, still giggling about the word penis and things like that. And I found a really great example was, okay, so I've got cats. I've got a boy and a girl cat. And the girls are just like, well, how can you tell the difference? Well, it's just like, well, look at the boy. He has a penis on him and he still has his testicles. And, and, and I actually use those words and the girls were not grossed out by it. Right. So, because it's one of those things, I mean, if you just use the words that are actually associated with that body part, I mean, if you use the words vagina, if you use the word penis, if you use the word testicle and things like that, I think it's actually quite important to actually use the proper words. Um, and it's that way you take the taboo out of it. Right. If you use the proper words, all of a sudden it, it's not taboo anymore. And that's kind of how you create the conversation where it's not hidden. If you change the words about something, now it's just like, okay, well, this is this needs to be hidden. Why is why are we changing the words for these body parts and things like that? And uh, but I find my girls. I mean, you know, there's just like, oh, well, how can you tell it's a boy? Well, look, here's his penis. Here's his testicles. Like, how can you tell it's a girl? Well, he, she doesn't have a penis. She has a vagina. And it's pets are great for that. If you've got cats or dogs or anything like that, pets are really great for teaching a little bit about anatomy, but also, um, you know, different things like that. So I found pets were really great for, for teaching little things like that. Just as an aside, never use a guinea pig because no and i, I say because my children ask and so i thought i was showing them properly but here's the thing so we were supposed to have two male guinea pigs well we recently found out that one of them was female so apparently i was not using the right guinea pig for the right gender so just as an aside don't use guinea pigs Literally, don't use guinea pigs. <laughs> I think to Dan's point too, like the way you brought the conversation, the Kira Charlie, right? Same with the guinea pig is like, you know, part of the challenge is we're laughing together, but you don't get to say penis and then laugh in this conversation. Like we have to be straight faced and like yeah. ha have a real conversation because look at us right now. We're literally laughing. <laughs> it's like, true. Like we're small children talking in the school playground thinking it's funny. But if we do this to the kids like Dan said, we're oh, giving them bad. all the ammo they need. We absolutely are. 100%. Oh, man. 100%. Okay, I'm going to switch gears a little bit here because we have some great questions um, with this. So one of them I wanted to put out there because this seems to be something that a lot of single parents encounter in the dating world is how soon into a relationship do you either expect or want it to become physical? Um, I, I know for me, it, it depends at what point I am for looking for something. I mean, when I first split, 
I was mostly just looking for, you know, meeting my physical needs. So uh, when I first split, it was just kind of an ego boost to just go out and get laid. So that's what I wanted right out of the gate. And that's what I went for. Um, what I discovered was also that if I waited, I found I respected the woman more. If I waited, you know, three, four, five dates or, or, you know, three weeks or something like that, three weeks to me would probably be almost a, a kind of a nice, but I mean, you got to kind of play it by ear as to what the relationship and how things accelerate and what your love languages are going and, and whatnot. But I mean, you got to kind of play it for what feels right. And both of you need to be able to talk about um, if you've got a relationship where you're both uh, communicating exceptionally well and you're talking about what both of you are expecting and how quickly you want to get physical, I think both people need to be comfortable in getting physical and also making sure that um, neither one of them is, is pressured. Now, I, I think that it's, as a guy... If you're going for, if you're sleeping with somebody on the first night, me personally, I actually respect you less. Um, just because it's, it's just kind of one of those things. It's just, it tells me a little bit about how you value yourself. Interesting. I saw Christina's face there. Well, I hear. I'm just thinking do you value yourself less too if you were wanting to have sex with that person on a first date or is it just the female that you're respecting less um no i probably yeah i think you're right i think it's for myself as well you respect yourself a little bit less but at the same time it's still got this this animal need to to reproduce kind of a thing that just kind of just you want to get this this feeling out um and once you start to respect yourself a little bit more and and you get that relationship a little bit more developed um but yeah. what if the chemistry is there dan like i mean i'm just thinking about how we just talked about sex positivity and it's almost yeah. like you're putting shame in the fact that you're having sex on a first date like why so, does it matter i was literally going to say results the same thing to dan in a different way okay um, <laughs> my theory is now okay well you'll talk about the first night what does the first night mean um we have so many methods of communication now we have we just went through a pandemic where the majority yeah. of communication has been text the majority of communication has been in zoom calls the majority of these interactions have to be something that is not technically considered a date so in my mind it's not about the first date anymore i think it's about the level of um, vocality or communication and understanding because you know you can literally talk to somebody for a month and never see them especially in the world that we've grown we've now started to live in however oh, crazy you can know so much more about that person after that month just from texting and phone calls so it at this point it may doesn't even feel like the first date but i think that sometimes we get stuck in this mindset of you know first date oh we slept together but realistically, you could have so much more of a connection with that person. Now, there's something different from first date in that scenario than compared to 
the old days of picking up someone from a bar when we used to go to bars. I was wondering yeah. if maybe that was the context in which you were thinking. Yeah. That. Yeah. I mean, that's a little bit more. I mean, if you're just picking somebody up from the bar, it's a, it, yeah, you definitely agree with that. And that's where I also go back to what I was saying about, you know, figuring out your connection and things like that, where both people feel comfortable um, and, and to kind of see where things are going and uh and whatnot but i know for me you know it, it's just a, a a personal preference maybe is what it is um you know if, if you're looking for a relationship i think it's important to get to know somebody before you start firing those endorphins and those chemicals and everything else um and, and it's like theo mentioned i mean nowadays i mean people are talking a lot more. You're getting the text messages, you're getting the phone calls, you're getting these conversations in more. So if the first time you meet is the first time that you end up in bed, at least you get that connection first. So I hope I didn't backpedal too much, but it's still, yeah, I do agree with you, Theo, where you've got these different modes of communication now where you can actually get to know somebody. Um, but at the same time, I, I still feel as if it's a good thing to kind of wait a little bit to get to know somebody before you get the endorphins firing really, really hard to get that really, really connection locked in. Where you were going, and that's why I wanted just to like give you the space to clarify yourself, right? Yeah. Because, you know, contemporary things are so much different than they have been in the past. And like, I knew what you were saying, but it's like at the same time, there is such a varied mode of communication now. And especially, yeah not only men as i think the question might have been posed but also for women as well is you know what is the opposite side like because i'm sure a lot of us have been in the same situation where you know maybe you're texting maybe you're you're figuring things out along the way and trying to figure out where you stand and in my mind a lot of it's always been about open honest communication because you know i'm sure a lot of us have made mistakes in the past where we weren't open and honest enough with ourselves or with our partner that caused a lot of problems 100 percent agree um, I actually wanted to ask ask Dan about about what you said there about the respecting less. Is it more you want to feel like you've earned it? Because we've, I mean, you and I have a com have had conversations before about um, like masculine and feminine energy, and in the whole scheme of of dating, like who does the pursuing and and that kind of thing. So is is it for you more of like the masculine energy wants to know that you have kind of earned that and worked towards that. Is that where that's coming from too? Um, no, I don't think that's where it's coming from. I, I think it's, I think I'm just going to, it's just kind of just, you want to make sure, especially if you want a relationship with somebody that you don't get clouded by those endorphins. Right. Um, and, and I think that's kind of one of those things, because once you start getting physical, then you're going to start ignoring the red flags. And if you're looking, if you're at a point in your life where you're looking for a relationship that will last long term, you want to be able to see the red flags. If you're having sex with that person, I think that it clouds you from being able to see those red flags. Um, yeah, and that's just kind of how I see it more than anything. That's actually a good point because you, I mean, <laughs> Christina, you and I have had conversations before about like when you get the physicality involved, it does mm -hmm. kind of blind you, can blind you 
to stuff you know that that like dan said is is a red flag like you know oh theo's laughing okay i'm gonna throw it over to you come on what is it what's so funny theo what's so funny theo (laughs) (laughs) he can't can't control himself (laughs) (laughs) okay sometimes there's like red flags and i get it but then like my mind just went to like the magic dick or like the magic yes they're just blowing so hard it's just like it's such a weird state to be in and it's like it's funny but not funny like it's like this socialized yeah. joke that dick is magic it's like, there is it is a thing magical magic? dick like, there's magical <laughs> yes. like there's nothing wrong with the honeymoon period but like what necessarily is a bad flag like i admit there's definitely some obvious ones but like one of the red flags that we perceive ourselves like is the red flag like you didn't pay for my dinner is the red flag like mm. you have a history that you were incarcerated before like what is the red flag nowadays is it it's all up to ourselves to determine what the red flag is mm. oh you don't like staying over at my house ever is that a red flag right i can i can actually speak to that um because i my uh my short-term relationship earlier this year um <laughs> Like for me, and it was actually funny, I had a bit of a chuckle to myself because Dan was like, oh, you know, three or four dates. So I was like, oh, well, mine was longer than that. <laughs> like I, I I, waited a good, I'd say at least month, month and a half before kind of like really getting into the physicality stuff. But How many dates though? Just, just, just for clarity. See, that, that was difficult to do because uh, he's a shift worker. And I have my kids almost all the time. So finding time to have like face-to-face was challenging, right? So it goes into what you were saying about the alternate modes of communication. Yeah. Because that, you know, schedules play into it. And that just made it really, it was it was really challenging to try and find time to spend together. So in, in doing that, um, I totally fell under the endorphin hit. And there were things that were happening in the relationship that I found out about later. Christina is nodding her head vigorously because she big red flag. She was yeah. like, so it was, was inconsistency. <laughs> it was, it was, it was inconsistency in terms of what was being said and the follow through with that. And I let a lot of that stuff go because of that, like that endorphin rush that need, for physical closeness and it was the first relationship I'd had since my marriage ended so there was a whole bunch of stuff going on there and in that so in that situation the the red flags for me were like canceled dates last minute didn't really offer an explanation for why or like to reconnect afterwards there was um kind of distance but not really talked about right it's, like it's so not, for anyone listening if you're gonna cancel a date last minute there is like a somewhat of an etiquette you make sure that you actually call and you actually express remorse and you actually explain yourself there's nothing wrong with canceling dates but it has to be done in such a way that is respectful of your significant or potential significant other you don't just True. get to be like bye bitch call you tomorrow <laughs> that's not cool <laughs> agree. Like, no showing is just, like, that would have been the biggest red flag for me. It's, like, if you don't even have the common courtesy to call me and let me know what the fuck is up, you go fuck yourself. Like, seriously. It's the same thing for a man. Like, if 
if I went on a date and some girl just didn't show up and I'm just sitting there all stupid being like, you can literally text me any point now <laughs> sitting at this restaurant at 6.30, like drinking my lonely wine. You're like, what the fuck am I doing yeah. here? Yeah. Just I've sit actually at another had table. That happen. <laughs> I've actually had that happen where I'm like oh. literally sitting in the parking lot and she showed up, I think an hour and a half late, but she didn't tell me, she didn't anything like that. And, and honestly, that was like a hardcore red flag. But I mean, this was when I, I had first split and I was just like, I just want to go on a date. Like, I, and I waited there for like Aww. an hour and a half and she, she, she actually showed up an hour and a half late, but I was just like, okay, this is probably, this is our last date. Like this, like we had our dinner, but that was, that was the end of it because I was just, you didn't text, you didn't call, you didn't give me any kind of a heads up that you were running late until it was just like, oh, I'm on my way now. And it's just like, well, you were supposed to be here 45 minutes ago. And I can't like, believe you waited. I would have been like, peace. I, can't I was desperate. What do you expect? <laughs> I mean, it's okay. We understand. We've all been there. <laughs> Maybe. I did. I did want to. I did want to circle back and just say sometimes, like with with a canceled date, because there was extenuating circumstances with this short term relationship that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna share publicly. But like there was a reason for the understanding. But the the draw to oh wow, like I'm with someone and it it feels really good to be with someone and it it kind of blinds you to what's actually going on and what I regret doing was not asking the questions and asking the why and figuring out, okay, well, why is this happening? But I totally agree with you, Theo. There's absolutely an etiquette to handling that. And thank you actually for saying that publicly. So to all of you out there who just feel it's okay to do that, don't. <laughs> also, I like you just said that too. Like, I like to think about people's experiences as well, and your experiences are also valid. So, I, uh, you know, you you said that you've seen two people in this situation, and like you, not to say if you do or don't, because I'm not going to put words into your mouth, but maybe you don't quite understand like how this is playing out. Because, unlike a lot of people, maybe on this call or like even me personally, you know, I've dated more than two people. You know, I've 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 yeah. had those experiences, and the ability to see those flags is routinely based off whatever experiences people have. So I think a lot of people, even listening to this too, may think like, "Oh, how did I not see this?" Well, you can't judge yourself based off that, because you know, there's there's women and men out there who will be high school sweethearts, get married for 15 years, then split up, and then all of a sudden they're fucking thrown into the dating world with a child. <laughs> Yeah. How do you it's Christina. Manage? It's me. That's me. And how do you even start? Like I can't even imagine. I so don't like, know. I have mad respect for you right now because this it cannot be easy. But the approach, no. I think you're doing the right one. Is hey, let's find some responsible people and give you a panel so that at least you know maybe some yes. help in the way. <laughs> See, this was actually one of the reasons why I'll be honest. I was a bit intimidated to do this today because I do feel like such a rookie <laughs> with this because like you guys have had the experiences of dating multiple people and you know being in different kinds of relationships and and it just it, it was a bit intimidating because like I mean like Dan said at the beginning I mean it was said a jest but like legit it's the three of you and Christina <laughs> and that's like so to be honest I'm actually I was, I was I was very intrigued by the topic today. Be like, okay, maybe I can learn something here. 
<laughs> Let's think about your listeners too. Like mm-hmm. not all of them are going to be in what we, the situations we expect them to be in. So the people listening, it's also along the lines of, it doesn't matter your history or where you come from. These things are all still relevant and everyone's in a different space. So if anything, you actually bring the most constructive impact <laughs> to this whole discussion. <laughs> anyway. So let's put it that way. Let's put it back on you. Oh, I like that. I like this guy. Can, can we can we have him on again, please? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Okay. I have a I have a bit of a different different method of how we're we're gonna do this here. So we actually had some fun questions come up. So what I'm thinking we'll do is maybe do um, a bit of a, a rapid fire, so to speak, where I'll throw out a question and just like gut reaction yes no love it hate it and we'll see if we can maybe get through a couple oh, that'll of be fun let's here. do that yeah let's let's do that here so i'm, I'm fully fully it. utilizing the power of the panel today the power <laughs> of the panel okay uh theo doesn't get to participate because he's oh, I'm here. oh you're here oh fantastic okay okay <laughs> excellent good you can shout the answers okay so I think this came from Dan, and I'm I'm loving this one here. What the fuck is up with duck lips? <laughs> <laughs> and we've lost the to laughter again. <laughs> I mean, I think it started with some Botox when chicks didn't think their lips were big enough, and yeah, I don't know. I don't do I do duck lips in my pictures? I don't think I do. Maybe when I was younger. Wait, is it du- is it duck lips or platypus lips? Oh, there! Oh, Dan's got a good one, Goyo. You guys can't see this, but Dan is like on point with the duck lips. Oh, Theo, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did take duck lips? Okay, can we get a screen grab of them doing duck lips, please? Like we'll totally. Thing? Yes, we'll get a screen I just grab think, at like, the end. Yes. Right <laughs> Ooh, Theo's got like duck lips and blue steel. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I really wish you all could see this. We are totally going to post a screenshot afterwards. Oh, Dan, what's with the duck lips? Like, do we just not like it? Is it not? I just don't feel it. I just don't feel the duck lips. That's just not for me. It's, it's, you know what? It's not natural. I just, yeah, it's just not for me. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Theo? Do you like duck lips? It, it just seems like such a like hyperbolized joke nowadays. It's like, why are you doing this? I don't understand what your intention is. Like, are you making a kissy face at me? Are you trying to show me you can afford like lots of lip injections? Like, <laughs> what are you trying to tell me by doing this? These massive death lips. You, you know what? Them? It's lips. true. And I actually had a girl on social media. I went through her pictures one day. I was like. Oh man, she's got really crazy duck lips. And every picture I swipe through, I was like, holy shit, she does it in everything. That's just her like signature look. <laughs> like I can't. <laughs> I think you did a pretty good one there. I'm I'm not about the duck lips at all. No, just just genuinely you put yourself out there of what you naturally look like. Don't try and blue steel platypus duck lip it up just just yeah, just you just you okay to your point there's such a i will say this though and i think it's an important thing to say and just to both of you these three and your listeners is it is there is a whole different uh, 
type of men in this world. But I guarantee you, and I know because I'm one of them, there is a man out there who genuinely appreciates a woman without makeup and duck lips being a full natural woman. And guess what? That man might also want to wake up to the same woman he was with the night before. That's a real thing. It's big. I like that. I feel like that's going to be our quote for social media. (laughs) Right there. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Okay, next question. Which body part is your biggest turn on? Go. (laughs) (laughs) What, Christina? Go. (laughs) Oh, go. (laughs) Well, I can tell you mine. Eyes and smile, hands down. First thing I notice about someone is their eyes and their smile. And then yeah, their penis. I, and, the, and their what? <laughs> and then their penis. <laughs> I, I, and I know for a lot of guys, it's either you're an ass man or you're a tits man. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for me, breasts is definitely one of those things that's just like, wow, when you got these, these fantastic breasts. Um, but I'm going to even go a little bit further on that if you can find yourself a petite woman with big breasts that is like the ideal woman for me is a petite woman with big breasts um which is very difficult to find um and then even at that if you can go even one step further and go natural it'd be even better so okay so maybe we'll do two rounds of this so maybe like sexually for the turn on but also like most attractive i'll circle back around because it might be different for both or not <laughs> or not theo how about you which body parts part or parts is your favorite is your turn on biggest turn on the long answer as usual i'm saying and very long-winded but the, the biggest i guess that's why you said attraction the biggest attractive quality is like i usually put it this way if you're gonna sleep with someone and then, like, you do whatever you want to do, and you wake up, like, the next, like, you roll over and you're done, but you get to have a great conversation and get to, like, enjoy someone's company and, like, be present. You're not just, like, can you get out? Like, that that quality of comfort or whatever the hell you want to call it or connection, like, that is the pinnacle for me. But if you wake up the day after or, like, or you roll over and you're, like, I cannot wait for this person. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the worst feeling ever. You don't just know it's not a thing. Like, you know, and I will get out. Like, that'll change the physicality. Um, but, yeah, you know, okay, you know what Dad said. To make it this blunt, yeah, sure. Natural tits, great. Done. But it's so much more than just that. Yeah. I like how you incorporated like non-physical stuff in there too, because that's that that's there's a difference there, right? Like there's the the physical turn on, but also like I like that you included that. That's awesome. Okay, Dan's like, no, I want boobs. Boobs. I just want a motorboat. Yeah, we just motorboated on Zoom. I So. Congratulations to all of our listeners. You may now have a cigarette did it too. because Christina has satisfied you all. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. Uh, next one. Uh, oh, man. I think I have to go up to the first list here. Ooh, here's a good one. Foreplay. How important, <laughs> what, Christy? Okay, you know what? 
I could have said that one over to you. Do tell. Play. It shouldn't even be a question. You just need to know that it's so important for both people that are about to have sex. You need foreplay. It's necessary. Even if you're having a quickie, I feel like you can get it like, you know, get a little bit of extra in there before you start the quickie. <laughs> just a little bit extra. Just a little bit extra. Yeah. It's, like the, it's like the sprinkles on the top of the cake. Like without it, it's like, where the fuck are the sprinkles? We need to fair work. actually i have a follow-up question for the two of you uh the two men on here so how first off how like for you guys how important is foreplay and the second part of it is are you willing to take direction in foreplay because <laughs> Christina, I'm, I'm just gonna kind of leave it there i'm not even gonna finish my because i'm just gonna leave it there how important is foreplay and are you willing to take direction on that um go ahead, go ahead. you go ahead dad i'll let you start all, all right um for me foreplay is super super important and the main reason being for me is one I feel really good when the person I'm with orgasms and it makes me that much harder. So it makes the sex that much better. Also, it's just, you know, hearing my partner orgasm just feels good and it's a good ego boost. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's like Christina said, I mean, foreplay should be a non-negotiable. I mean, it, it should be there. Now, that being said, if you're just going for a quick quickie or it's just like, hey, I've been out of town for the last three weeks and I got to come home. I mean, I'm literally going to just carry your clothes off, bend you over the counter and have at her. Um, and then we'll just do this again a little bit later um, where I can see some time. <laughs> We'll do this again a little bit later. Because be still my beating heart. She's blushing right now. She's like, oh, that sounds really good. <laughs> oh my word. Shut up, you. <laughs> it's been a while, Christina, okay? It's been a while. Oh man. <laughs> I, I agree with that. Like um, there there's a time and and space for for foreplay like don't get me wrong like it is important in in some factors um and there's a time and place where i definitely believe like as a man when you're both in that moment as, as dad described you can definitely circumnavigate uh, the foreplay uh, but what i will say i think is more interesting is some people have an aversion to foreplay they don't necessarily enjoy it or it makes them uncomfortable or it made, it's just not something they have been taught to enjoy or they have a bad experience or trouble around it or it's expected. Whereas in my mind, it should be something that is something that's freely given out of the benefit for your partner in a safe environment. You know, like I've been in those situations where it wasn't wanted or desired, but then a couple months later, you can create such a safeness place Safe, safe enough place where you know she can orgasm by having a man going down on it so is it important well yes but only as important as it pertains to your partner at the time that's my thoughts on it i like that i like that because i think i i think you're right like it shouldn't it shouldn't be something that's expected 
it, it should be, like you said, freely given and obviously like, to, to be honest, like it takes, <laughs> it takes women longer to orgasm. That's just a scientific fact. And having that foreplay makes it easier for us to do so. And cause nothing, nothing sucks worse than like having sex and then having your partner say, you know, well, okay, that's it. Um, pardon? <laughs> yeah like it that that's just it's kind of a punch to the gut to hear that because then you start to feel like your pleasure isn't as important and it's like well like ladies get blue balls too <laughs> you know a lot of people out your vibrator and just go at her after well, yeah but that's that's not you? the point of it right like it's you don't want to well, you don't want to have to do that Every time, like that shouldn't. Oh, no, and you shouldn't. That's oh, definitely not. No. Not every time, for sure. No, yeah. that's like okay. If it's a one-off situation and Buddy just can't get it back up because he's got like whiskey dick, I'm gonna get it. I get it. But there's <laughs> other things you can do to please your woman that don't yeah. require a penis. So go get in there do what you need to do so she can have her fun too and don't go to sleep and say you're too tired because that sucks for a woman like if you're just like i really wish i would have had an orgasm he's so lucky he got one and like you're just lying there pissed off and probably more angry than anything like you wake up mad you're like this sucks <laughs> and actually like it it's like i've i've been through that and it actually like I've I've shed I've shed tears over that. I, I also find that with foreplay, I also me myself, I get better orgasms because it's just maybe it's just a little bit more pent up, a little bit more like whatever I'm harder or whatever. But I find that with foreplay, I get better orgasms. I mean, it, it's for me. I mean, that's how I feel. But is it the physicality of it, or is it like the the trust in knowing your partner wants to do it part of it, and the connection part, or is it oh, just it's straight? Not, yeah, it's. I would say it's the connection. Yeah, definitely, the connection definitely makes it that much better. When you got your head and your heart in the game, yeah. um, it does give a better orgasm. That's for sure. Yeah, and if you're wearing a, a woman's legs like the crown she is, and you're right deep in there, and you just know you're doing a good job. There's something really great about it. I mean, you know that it's happening. So, you know, you're right there. You're committed. If you're oh, you made Christina blush again. <laughs> <laughs> Screen grab. <laughs> no, I was just thinking, I think that's going to be the quote. Wear your woman's legs like the crown she is. That's that's the quote right yeah. there. Uh, yep. <laughs> I'm going to roll. You are. You are. <laughs> okay. Uh, getting some other questions in here. Mm -hmm. um, actually, Christina, do you have the list up? Maybe you'd like to pick a couple here. Oh, hold on. Let me find some. <laughs> I wasn't ready for this. Just hold right. on. Actually, I gotta be. I'll be right back. We'll uh, we'll switch gears slightly while Christina finds a couple more um, uh, fun questions to do. But maybe we'll put out there, and Christina, maybe you can speak to this too, because you and I have had a couple couple conversations about this. Um, is like race or skin color or body type, like do those things play into 
physical attraction for people. And that one might be a little charged, um, but it's it it's something we consider when like you're you know when you're swiping on someone or when you're getting to know someone. I mean, when you're if you're online dating, yeah, I think everyone has maybe someone who they might be like, oh, I'm more attracted to this type of person before getting to know their personality. Um, like for me, I prefer men to be a person of color. Like I just find men that are tan, hot as fuck. Like, I don't know what it is, but mind you, I've never really, I've only been with one guy that was sort of white. He was like full Portuguese, <laughs> but I've never dated like, a full on, no offense, Dan, but never dated a full on <laughs> before. And I don't know, like I just, well, no, that's not entirely true. In like junior high, I did, but I don't think that counts. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't count anything. Either. No, anything yeah, before. I mean, yeah. I just like culture and that's a turn on to me. I like, I don't know. Well, There's a lot a, of things I could say. <laughs> as, a, as a man of color, I mean, the biggest thing for me isn't necessarily like a woman's nationality or like the color of her skin. The biggest thing for me is her ability or want to understand what that might mean to me and to be genuinely curious, but not sit there and want to know every single question about what my, 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 my man of color feels like. How was this? How was that? Explain this to me. Explain that. Oh, hell no, girl. Like, I'm not here to teach you. Did your research. If you want to know about <laughs> residential schools, go and look it up. Like, I'm not on. teaching you this. We're on a date. Like, why do I have to teach you all this all of a sudden? Like, you think you would know. Like, a little bit. And I've been in that situation before where I have gone on that date. And, you know, we're supposed to have a dinner and a bottle of wine. And, like, within the first 10 minutes before we ordered food, I was like, this is just the bottle of wine that we already ordered. I was like, I already know where this is going to go. And it turned into asking me way too many questions about my nationality, about my culture and history. And it was just like rapid fire. Like I was teaching a seminar and I, I just yeah. knew it was done. I turn was like, off, turn yeah. off. Yeah. There's, there's no point to do this now. No, that's totally fair. And that's, I mean, that's something that, you know, there, there's a difference between being curious and putting somebody under a, interrogation light and demanding that they tell you everything what's the deal with indigenous people and taxes <laughs> what that's a thing hey people actually say that holy uh. wow <laughs> wow that's on so date. Bust up. on date on a, on wow. a date are you serious you've actually had that asked i don't worse than that oh, oh yeah God. there's definitely got to be worse I know for me, like nationality and stuff like that, uh, I, I really don't care where you're from. I really don't at all. Um, I love culture, right? I love different cultures. I love um, different people and stuff like that. I mean, to me, your skin color makes zero difference to me. Um, but I want to know 
I don't know. Like I, I love culture. I always tell people it's just like I've had some people tell me like I, I'm from a French heritage and, and I still speak it and everything else. And I've had some people you got to stop speaking French, and I'm insulted by that. I I think I think people should own their language, own their culture, be who they are. And, and I would never tell somebody if I'm not part of a conversation that, hey, you got to speak English because the other people that are maybe potentially eavesdropping need to understand you. Um, but at the same time, I mean, when it comes to dating, I mean, I, I just I just love different cultures just to try to understand them. But at the same time, it's not I'm not just digging, but I just I find I find there's a certain beauty in difference that's the way i see it i see a beauty in difference and and to try to see that okay i was yeah i wasn't sure how that question was going to go because it is kind of kind of charged thank thank you both for for that and also theo i'm very sorry you got those questions and have gotten those questions that's just <laughs> that's just like eventually I, like i'm going to laugh them off because like and, and i think this is probably the best environment to do it like whoever's listening is to be like Step one, don't do that. Yes. Step two, yes. if something's important to the person you're dating, maybe like use the world of the internet to like kind of figure out like what their beliefs might be. Like just a little bit, you know, not, I'm not talking like 10 years of research. I'm talking like, you know, 15 minutes might go a long way. <laughs> oh my gosh, you sound like the Geico commercial. 15 minutes could save you embarrassment on a first date. Exactly. Good <laughs> <laughs> though. But you're right. You're right. Like it does. It does go a long way to be be curious, not interrogative about about things like that. Yeah. Um, here's actually a really good question. Wait, um, before you do oh, that, I have a really what? good one first okay. that I just want to throw it out there because <laughs> okay. I think it's funny and I sort of want to know. Okay. Um, <laughs> so what do guys really look at and think about when doing it doggy style? Because we women want to know. <laughs> Oh my gosh, both of them are like holding their eyes in their heads right now. <laughs> I want to know, like, I want to know exactly what dudes like, is it different every time? Is it the same sort of thing? Are you looking at the same thing? I'm curious. So my, okay, I'll, I'll go, I'll go for it. I'm not going to be ashamed. But it, to me, it's like a, it is like a bit of a power dynamic. I mean, come on. The woman is bent over her ass is in the air. And at this point, imagine she's taking a dick, probably very well, because she's already there as well. But it, to me, it's like the raw sexuality of it. And it's also the the comfortability of it. It's the vulnerability of it, but it's also the image of it. Now, that being said, you know, some graphic ass doggy style isn't going to last forever, but like you appreciate it when it's there and then you can very easily move on. So when I mean power dynamics, like, yes, that could be a very vulnerable position for the woman. But, you know, if you switch it up and she rides you within the next, like, 15 seconds after being in that position, then it's, like, the appreciation of what just happened and now moving on to something else. It's not like you need, like, you know, a solid 20 minutes of just... <laughs> I love the sound effects right now. <laughs> no one likes that kind of repetition. Get out of here with that. What woman would want to keep doing that for that long? This isn't porno. Right? <laughs> like enough's enough. Enough's enough. 
I would even I, have enough. I would change positions oh. and be like, you know what? Enough's enough here. I'm in tune enough with my partner to understand that this is enough. Like, <laughs> we've both gotten what we wanted out of this for the time being. We can definitely move on to anything else. <laughs> Dan? Um, what am I thinking? Uh, see, see, for me, for me, doggy style has always been one of those where it's like at the tail end of kind of the session and everything else. So it's, 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 I appreciate the pun there, whether it was intended or not. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't catch that, did you? Yeah. <laughs> the, the prude was paying attention. Continue. <laughs> so. But I, I know for me, normally it's kind of at the tail end. So we've gone through the foreplay. She's been on top. You know, we've done whatever, two or three different positions. And this is something I've discovered um, primarily from um, since I'm on my antidepressants, I last a lot longer than I did before. So doggy style was one of the positions that would always get me off. Um, so it, it was like one of the only positions that would always get me off. So for me, it was really, you know, she's gotten off by this point and this is me getting off. And I'm going to agree again with Theo on the power dynamics as well. I mean, there's definitely that. And what I really like is just as I'm getting off, I like kind of collapsing on top of her and then just grabbing her breasts and just kind of laying like that just for a little bit um, while I just, you know, sit inside of her while we're both spent. You're definitely not wrong. Not wrong. <laughs> definitely not. I know, and that's just what I kind of talked about before. I mean, bringing up a question like this is, you know, to me, in my perspectives, and I'm sure Dan's is, and Christina and Christina, you have yet to have your interpretation of it. However, it's just more of an articulation that everyone's different. You know, yes, that's what I enjoy. This is like what I have, and Dan has what he what he enjoys as well. But it also like the same thing applies to both of you. And if your partner can't understand that, so the important thing Dan said there, in my mind, is. Then correct me if I'm wrong, Dad. I'm sorry if I put it this way. She orgasmed, or maybe she didn't, or maybe she was in that she just couldn't, or whatever happened. But she also knew that that's how he'd like to be pleasured as well. And so it becomes this mutual back and forth that is healthy for both parties. That is the same understanding. Like you just see what I mean here? Like it's about both parties yeah. and what your partner enjoys, not all one sided. It's not all, you know, me and Dan just trying to fuck a woman doggy for half an hour straight, just over and over and over. There's a lot more to it than that. There, there is more. Yes. Yes, there absolutely is. There absolutely is. Um, and I actually appreciate you saying that because, um, Christina, I'm not, I don't know if you've had this experience, but I've had the experience where I have communicated my needs in that area and it it's been taken as not a challenge, but maybe that's not the right word, but I'll, I'll use it. It's like a challenge to their masculinity in, in me vocalizing my needs and having it come back where like, 
not necessarily, well, that's not for me, but where it hasn't been taken as, yes, of course, your needs are important as well. And, you know, we'll, we'll do it up next time or, or whatever it happens to be. Right. So, um, Christine, I'm not sure. Have you ever had that experience where you've tried to communicate that and it's been taken as like, they were almost offended, but that you had a voice a little bit. I mean, I don't think so. Um, if I want something, I'm just going to say it in the moment. And if I don't get it, I will be quite vocal about what the fuck, but uh, I can't remember that. That would, it, yeah, it, like, it just seems like so selfish from the other side. Like, why would you not want to please your woman? Exactly. Like, that, it made me so mad. And I had trouble keeping my tongue because you literally just told your partner what you wanted mm-hmm. and how you felt. And instead of listening to you, they just, what, ignored you? This is not a partner at that point. Like, it's, Yeah, it wasn't, it's it, wasn't an, it wasn't an ignoring of it, but it wasn't, it wasn't received with, I didn't realize that's what was happening. I'm going to change what I'm doing so that we both get the most out of it. I think is the best way to put it. Yeah. 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 Cause then it created a situation where it was like, do I even say anything next time? Oh yes. Yes. You do. Yes, yes. You do. Cause men can't read minds. I don't know if you guys agree with me, but like, I feel like, yes, men can be intuitive and they can sort of feel things of what you want, but they really can't read our minds. So if we aren't verbalizing that, they need that. They need direction. <laughs> and my biggest issue with that is you did do that. You did verbalize your mind as I believe any sexual partner should. Mm-hmm. And you didn't feel accepted by it. Now, I feel I think that's inherently wrong. Like accepted or validated or whatever. I think it's inherently wrong. Because if you're saying what you need as a person or sexually or whatever and you have the guts to say it to someone and they don't respect it, red flag. <laughs> Super red <Yeah>. flag. <laughs> like things things changed the next time, but then after that it was like it's like like what a one one time kinda kind of thing. So yeah. So okay. it wasn't consistent. You for, you no, know, and, and again it goes back to consistency. Thank you for being outraged on my behalf, Theo. I very much appreciate oh, that. I, I cut off I cut off the other Christina because I was so mad. It's okay. It's okay. Rightfully so. I think Dan is sitting in silence because he's angry for you too. He's like, okay, well, for me, it's it makes me feel so good when my partner gets off. I don't understand yes. why why every man doesn't want to feel that. It, it just it does. It makes me feel good to get my Preach partner Dan. off. <laughs> right, and and if you're not doing that, um, talk about it. You don't need to talk about it right then in the bedroom, but you got to talk about it, and it's it's you got to be willing to take direction. You got to be willing to to figure out, you know, what you want, and and this is for both ways, what both people want. Um, but I mean, it it is what it is. I mean, if your partner likes certain things, 
And it's, it's good to one, ask as a man, I, I think it's also important to ask what are some of the things that you really enjoy, but also as a woman or, or both ways. I mean, it's where you have to say some of the things that you really enjoy. I mean, do you like being tied up? Do you like being, you know, taken yes. from behind? Do you like, yes. you know, all of these <laughs> other things? Um, yes. I, I'm also kind of looking at some of one of these other questions here, and I think this would be a good transition into it, is how do you discuss kinks with your new partner? Um, it, and I think it's important to, to talk about it openly, one, outside of the bedroom, um, first and foremost, right? And, and I think that's super important to talk about your, your kinks and your desires and those things like that outside of the bedrooms. Do you like being tied up? Do you like being choked? Do you like uh, anal? Is that, is that one of the things that you like to do? Um, toys. You know, How do you feel about toys, toys. in the bedroom? And, yeah, 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 we can definitely agree. No one likes showing up to a bedroom and having someone stand there with leather and chains being like, welcome. No, no. <laughs> you're here. You know what? No, I'm leaving. You could have even kept this to me at some point. You could have like, given me a warning. Like, oh, hell no. This is too much, like, a dinner, at least, would go a long way. She's like, I can't take it. It's too much. But I think Dan's got a point here. Like, you have to be able to have these regular discussions. That's the extreme version. You know, yeah. whether man or woman showed to a room, all of a sudden there's chains and whips and fucking swings everywhere. Or <laughs> a normal person, and you casually introduce it over a time that's safe and respectful. It's not that hard. Hopefully that's not what she said. <laughs> all right. Actually, I have one more uh, for you guys here. And I think this is this is an interesting one because um, I can definitely relate to this one. So when you get intimate with someone new, how do you deal with potential negative memories or triggers or idiosyncrasies from past relationships? How does that play into um, a new relationship? Because I have fully experienced that both from my side of things and from my partner's side of things so i'm very curious how um how how you guys kind of deal with that i think that like a lot of men do not have many outlets for their own health and i think it's a position that we're trained to be in that you know our mental state doesn't matter and Coming from that is important to, for one, as a man, recognize that and take whatever steps you need to look after yourself. Like I see a counselor every week and I have no shame in, in saying that to anyone. And part of that is also, with your question, moving into a situation where I could be dating a woman and because I'm making the right steps... I can recognize when I'm being triggered by a new partner because I've taken enough time to learn about myself. I know when it's happening again, because there's nothing more important to me than 
understanding that a new partner, especially if it's if she's a sexual one, that I am not hurting her because of my previous trauma. And if anything, I'd rather just tell her to be like, hey, girl, when you said that to me, it really fucking sparked something. So I need a moment to deal with it. And I'll tell you when I can, but I just need a minute. But I'll, I'll explain. And it's, it's not an easy thing to do, but I think it's something that is largely ignored with men as well. And it's too easy to ignore. It's way too easy to ignore. Yeah, um, I, I would definitely agree with everything you said there, Theo. And, and it's, uh, I, I think it boils back down to that communication and being very open and raw and honest and uh, with your partner. And, and that's going to do a lot of different things where if you're open, raw, and honest with your partner that you're sexual with, um, for one, it, it helps on the understanding front um, where your partner can actually understand why you're coming from that place. But also when you can voice your opinion, it's also, or your, your feelings and things like that, it's also important that it, it just it creates a better connection, but it also doesn't put the onus on the other person to fix you. Because if you own something and it's just like, this is me, this is my problem, okay? I just need you to understand that I'm going through it. I don't need you to do anything about it, but this is something that I am working on. And it's like Theo had mentioned where, you know, he goes to see a counselor regularly. I go see a counselor regularly. Um, and again, as men, we, we don't talk about it enough. Um, now I do believe that is also changing a little bit, um, because I talk about it a lot more with my coworkers and, and things like that. So that might be a, an age and a generational thing. Um, because when I, when I do talk about it, you know, whether it's, it's hurt or if it's, it's mental health or, or anything like that. Talking about it with other men is super helpful, but also being very raw and open with your partner. Um, it, but I'm going to really put it to where this is right back to, this is something that is me. You don't need to fix it. You just need to understand it, right? I'm working on it and I just need you to give me a little bit of time and, and space so that way you can... You know, that's all I need to, to be able to work through something. So, that, so I would Dan said, how it was described to me before when I was younger is uh, there's, okay, this is very like categorizing, maybe not quite accurate, but it does help me understand the situation. There's three types of men in general, and there's boys, man boys, and then men. Now, when you look into these categories, there's boys. We've all been boys. We've all been girls where everything's silly and you're laughing around. But then there's dangerous, whereas man boys, where like you're kind of out floating the world. You're putting your past traumas on women. You're kind of like, you're quite not quite ready to be a man yet, but you're trying, but you're kind of there. And then there's the men of the world who can recognize that their past traumas have been hard and that it is important for them to help correct them out for themselves, but also for their partners and their kids. And you become a man in that sense. 
because we all know man boys who are like 50. We can, we can know men who are 19. And there's no, there's no category for age when it comes to boy, man, boy, and man. It's just those people, how they decide to conduct themselves and their lifestyles based on their experiences will emerge when they need to. I really like how you, those, those categories there, because you're, you're absolutely right. Those, and I feel like it, it can apply to women too. You know, you can have girls, women, girls, and then women. And it's the same for us too. Um, you know, being able to recognize when, um, you know, you're, you're being triggered. There's, and I feel that there's a difference between recognizing when you're being triggered and not, like you said, not making your partner responsible for fixing it or for your reaction to it. And I actually heard a really great phrase. I think it was a couple months ago. It was don't, don't bleed on people who didn't cut you. And, and I thought that was so it like it's hit home so, so solidly. And I thought, oh yeah, I've, I've kind of done that, you know, coming from the, you know, from my divorce I did bring some of that stuff into this short-term relationship and I also saw the other side of that and and I'm not sure like have have you guys had that experience where you've had you know a partner who is so triggered by what it seemed like not everything you did but more often than not it was like you couldn't kind of be yourself have you guys ever had that experience I think being yourself um no, I'm not going to speak for all men because I definitely cannot. Um, being yourself is something that is earned, not given. Um, it takes a lot of time and a lot of mistakes and a lot of time spent recognizing your own faults to be able to become the man you want to be. And it's not an easy road. And it's not an easy road for anyone. It's not an easy road for, for yourself, for, for the Christinas. It's not an easy road for Dan. And that's what I think, to use my classification, makes a man and a woman is not to play into the games of the past traumas or anything else. It's to recognize that the first step we have to make is to step with ourselves and not hurting other people for the reasons that we were hurt. And I would add to that just to actually take responsibility for yourself and to take responsibility for your own emotions as well. Um, because the minute you start going, oh, well, this is because this other person had done this to me, you lose control. Um, it's their fault, Dan. It's their yeah, fault, isn't it's it? It's their fault. <laughs> Good uh, self-awareness. <laughs> yeah, great self-awareness. <laughs> right. Um, it, and I know through my own therapy, I mean, I've gone through a lot of that stuff where I had this this victim mentality and, and it's been a process. It's been this this huge, huge process where I need to own my shit. I need to own why I failed on that front. I need to own, um, you know, when it comes to my relationships and things like that as well. Um, but I think that's where, you know, that's part of being a man is to, to really own that, to really own your shit, to own your emotions, to own your responsibilities. Um, and I think that's where that kind of boils down to. And, and when you start to, to see those triggers and you're with a partner, going back to the question, I think it's very important to let them understand that it's not 
their fault. It's not on them. And you just need them to understand, but it's something that you're working through. What I've usually done is like, I've literally been like, you know, I just need five minutes. So there's nothing to do with you. I, I've literally taken five minutes, like walking out in the patio, just staring at the world and collect myself because it's that important to not walk back in with the same triggered mindset and walk in and start getting upset or start start rethinking my decisions, start rethinking everything. I just need five minutes alone to collect myself because once that trauma is brought up or like whatever it is brought up as a man, like whatever it could possibly be, and there's a huge plethora of what it could be, the biggest thing for me was I don't care if you like it or not, but I know if I take these five minutes that it's literally going to help me come back to you in a way that is positive and healthy. And I can tell you when I get back, but I literally need it right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's okay. Go ahead. It's only as beautiful as long as you can follow through with it. <laughs> if I if I come back pointing fingers and getting to a man, oh, this failed really horribly, didn't it? But if I show up and I can change my tone and voice and be able to have an articulate conversation and respect that person as a partner and talk about some harder things that may last five minutes or half an hour that at least my now partner, sexual or not, will understand where we're coming from, rather than having to assume, rather than having to guess, rather than having to just put whatever they can together from social media and anything else. But or guess, like, like in my forward. case, like with, with this you know, experience that I had was I started to feel like I had to watch what I said because of um, I would lose time. Like there would be withdrawals, there would be kind of walls put up and I would feel like I'd done something wrong. And I started to feel like I couldn't, I had to watch what I said, had to watch what I, what I did because of that fear of that. And, and now in like, in talking to you guys, it's like, I, sh- I shouldn't have had to do that. And I shouldn't have done that in, in the first place. Cause it's for, not. For the record, your reaction, I think all of us have been there. All of, I think all of us have been fearful of the potential reaction of what we have to say. And we, I think we've all been in that position where if I don't say this correctly, then this person may not want to come back. And I think that's inherently a problem because it's pretending that there's too much weight here and everything's too scarce. There's too much pressure now being unloaded on it because if you have to second guess who you are as a person and decide like, to, to limit yourself in your response just to get the reaction you want. This is not, this is the red flag, <laughs> at least in my mind, <laughs> to, to tie it all right. back together. 100% right. We've come full circle, haven't we? <laughs> With the red flag. I felt really good about that all of a sudden. I didn't know I was going there, but we got there. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So just just in wrapping things up here for for Dan and, and Theo, first off, thank you for for coming on today and for being vulnerable about a topic that, like we mentioned at the start, is not is still considered taboo in a sense and not really open. So thank you to both of you for, you know, for sharing your experiences and for sharing your thoughts on this. We, we really appreciate you guys coming on uh, to, to do that. Um, and just, just in, in closing here, how, what would you guys want other men to know kind of based on the conversations we've had today and maybe, maybe you guys actually, maybe that's the question there. What, what's something that maybe you guys learned today or took away from today that maybe you didn't you, you didn't know before we're talking about ourselves individually now and what we can learn and i think that the idea is to as cliche as it sounds it's to never stop learning you know listening to this hearing all of your perspectives is only a point of growth there's a theory out there is being afraid of information because it might change your decision making. Whereas if you have more information now, it's only going to impact you more now and allow you to make better decisions. So if being vulnerable in this case can support any single mother, father, or anyone going through these situations uh, and allow them to grow faster or allow them to understand something quicker, then it's important. However, I also feel like this was too brief for some reason and that the hey. focus was put way too much on me and Dan because <laughs> I feel like we need to <laughs> So that being said, there is going to have to be a larger discussion to not only the, the female listeners of the podcast that you have, but also the female ones and other male ones who want to hear from the Christina and the Christina. So part oh. two? <laughs> sure part two although i don't know how i feel about that i feel like like it's it's our podcast so we get to make the rules so that's just like <laughs> i want to do it let's do it me and dad will submit questions for your approval Ooh, you know what you guys could collab i actually you know what in thinking about it i will i will re restate my earlier answer and say it'd be kind of neat to have the tables turned on the christina's wouldn't it yeah Oh, I don't know how, how I feel about, like, losing hosting power. <laughs> She's a control freak, guys. Just I'm a little. Not it's that bad. In her. She likes to be in charge. <laughs> I'll be submissive. I won't be so dominant. There's Just a woman kidding. that really enjoy a woman in control, a woman in charge. I can tell you that right now. Yeah, there it is. Um, I, I find that the biggest thing that we that I took out of this whole conversation is, yeah, I'll agree with you. It was way too short. And I think we could talk about this for hours and hours and hours. Um, and it would be all really good conversation. Um, but also when it comes to sex is the importance of communication is definitely key. Um, and there was a lot of these things where really it boils down to just having that conversation and, you know, in a respectful and, and heartfelt way. And if you want to get really into having great sex, you got to communicate. You got to be able to talk inside and outside of the bedroom. Do you find it funny, Dan, that we didn't actually talk too much about the act of sex itself? Yeah, we actually talked about <laughs> everything else that comes with it. Like, we kind of ventured into the graphicness of it, but instead it was more about 
the emotion and the intention and like finding partners. We need to get or... into the good shit. Like we need to <laughs> dive deep, guys. <laughs> I have no problem diving deep, and I will definitely go there. Hey, oh! <laughs> 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 Ooh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love how the episode on sex ends ends on a that's what she said. That's just like <laughs> wow. That's just <laughs> Thank you both so much for coming on to our podcast today for talking about this and it sounds like we'll be having a part 2 in yeah. the very near future. So thank you both again for coming on today. Well, I appreciate the invitation. Thank you both very much for having me. Um, I didn't know quite what to expect, but I am so very happy that I agreed because you are both great. I appreciate everything that was talked about today. And I think it actually does all of us justice. Amazing. Yeah, I just want to say thanks for inviting me. And it was really a lot of fun. Well, thanks for coming, you guys. And I want to say we need to plan part two. So send me your availability and we need to continue this conversation. I think it needs to happen. We need to dive a little bit more into it. Fair enough. Thanks for joining us today, everyone. We'll catch you on the next episode. You can find more great episodes featuring helpful information and amazing stories by searching Single Parent Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or visit www.lifesongfilms.com and click podcast. Thanks for joining us today. And remember, we're We're all in this together. together.